Hello and welcome to the Dad Whisperer. I'm your host, Dr. Michelle Watson, and I welcome you again today to this conversation where my passion is to help dads become heroes. And because most every dad I meet wants to be the best dad he can be, each week you know that I want to give you one more tool to add to your fathering toolbox just to achieve that goal. But before we begin, let me just review the template that works as a grid to guide us week after week, which is where I want you dads to envision yourselves standing side by side, ready to run your fathering race this week. And I'm your coach on the sidelines saying on your mark, get set, go. On your mark, being the starting point with the theme of our conversation, get set. I'm going to fill that in with stories and stats, and then go is your one practical action step this week where you can put your love for your daughters and your sons into action. Well, one of my favorite things to do here on The Dad Whisper is to address different aspects of fathering that can apply to literally every single dad in America. And today we're going to be talking about something that's never been addressed on the program, which is the a powerful role that a father-in-law can have in the lives of his daughters-in-law. Well, I'm so excited to have my friend Jeff Kemp here today. I met Jeff about two and a half years ago at a fathering conference, and Jeff was the first person who approached me and encouraged me immediately after my presentation. And I'll never forget how he handed me his book, Facing the Blitz, Three Strategies for Turning Trials into Triumphs, where he thanked me for being an angel of Gideon's words. Having Jeff's support, honestly, it was one of the best gifts that I ever got at that conference. And by the way, I loved his book. Yes, as a woman reading this book, I devoured it, and you will love it too, Facing the Blitz. You've got to get it. Well, here's a little bit more about Jeff before we get started. Jeff spent 11 years as an NFL quarterback playing for the Rams... 49ers, Seahawks, and Eagles, Jeff and his father, who was a former vice presidential candidate and a HUD secretary, Jack Camp, they were the first of only six father-son NFL quarterback combos. How cool is that? And after his football career ended in 92, Jeff dedicated himself to public service and founded Stronger Families, which he led for 18 years. Then from 2012 to 2017, he was on staff at Family Life in a family-strengthening role. And he's spoken to businesses, organizations over 20 years with over a 1,000 presentations. But more importantly, Jeff has been married to his wife, Stacy for 34 years. And he is a dad to four sons with three daughters-in-law. And he's just about to add a fourth into the fold of the Kemp family this year. Well, all of this simply means that Jeff has had a lot of experience with relationships, especially when it comes to loving his daughters-in-law. Welcome, Jeff Camp. Hey, thanks, Michelle. It's good to be with you. I've made all the mistakes, so that's all my experience. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Facing the blitz, right? Well, on your mark, today I've titled the program, Investing in Four Daughters-in-Law, A Dad's Journey. And before we get started about you investing as a father-in-law, I love how you said, Jeff, when we were talking that when Colby just got engaged, you said, it soon will be four for four answered prayers. And you have a funny story. Let's go back to you and Stacy about your mom praying for her. Tell us that story, if you would. I will. Yeah, well, it's cool. I've been married to Stacy for 34 years, and, and the biggest prayer we've had through the years is a prayer that our kids would know how much God loves them and have a relationship with Christ and that they would meet and marry um, a young lady who loved God um, so much that that could make a great team with them. And uh, obviously God's worth loving more than any of us, but it forms a great basis. So yeah, we're, we're like so thankful to see four 
uh, young ladies um, who know and love Jesus meet up with our boys that, uh, you know, we're so thankful that they know and love Jesus. And, and we're all on our journey. And I know a lot of parents are praying for that. But my mom, I guess, prayed for that. And the way we found it out in a funny way was uh, on my fourth date ever with Stacy. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd had two dates with her by myself. One, we were out to dinner with my mom and dad. And the fourth one, uh, we were hanging out with my mom and dad and met some college fraternity and sorority friends of my mom's and dad's, some close friends of theirs. And uh, this one woman met Stacy, and uh, Virginia said, oh, Stacy, it's so good to meet you. Joanne's been praying for you since you were four years old. <laughs> Cat <laughs> so was out of the bag. That mom, st- mom started praying uh, when I was five for my future wife. And wow. so this woman just kind of jumped the gun and assumed this is the wife to be. It was only our fourth date. <laughs> Uh, but it it turned out to be true, and that was kind of the script that uh, God had written. Oh, I love that. Okay, well, you're a dad to four sons, no daughters. You know, here you were in the NFL. You're a man's man. Did you ever want daughters, or were you more comfortable with sons? <laughs> I wanted a wife, but I didn't necessarily want a daughter. Um, I loved boys, and we were having a blast with boys, and we picked out some girls' names. And so, yeah, sure, we were excited at some point to have um, a daughter, um, but after the second was a boy and then the third was a boy and we were just passing down all of these Adidas shoes and sweatsuits, we started <laughs> to figure out, well, I guess this is just a boy team. There you uh, go. Even my wife, even my wife was cool with, okay, if we're designed to raise boys, give us another. And sure enough, we got another boy. So I, I am not a super experienced guy, uh, when it comes to relating to females and to daughters. And I don't think I started off very well as a husband in terms of mm. sensitivity and empathy and emotions. Um, my dad was a great guy, but I don't think he um, understood or practiced um, empathetic service of your wife and, and tapping into the emotions of a woman. Um, and I didn't either. Mm-hmm. And uh, then we got a bunch of boys and, you know, we ran a little, uh, you know, fraternity in the house. Right. And uh, I had I had two younger sisters and a younger brother when I was a kid. So I wasn't all that comfortable with girls, even dating. It took me a while to feel comfortable um, dating girls. And they were like, you know, the mystery to me, very interesting. But I didn't really know how to, you know, be calm and cool and collected and, and, uh, in, and, and secure as opposed to insecure with them. So uh, we had boys all the way. And uh, yeah. Uh, kept our marriage together and taught us some things. And eventually we picked up daughters by acquisition through marriage. (laughs) So do you remember what was that like when your first son was bringing home a a girl that's now going to wear the Kemp name? You know, what was that like for you in those early days to have a girl around? You know, it was really fun, but it was fascinating. I just observing him showing affection and um, caring a whole lot about someone because we kind of had this sense that he was super aloof and cool and didn't need anyone else. But all of a sudden, this one girl really has his attention. and He's on um, unique behavior. I don't know if I'd call it best behavior, but unique <laughs> behavior. <laughs> um, and so that was fun to see kind of his attraction and affection and this interaction um, maturing in a sense yeah. uh, to calibrate himself to another person. And then having having a young lady around the house. Um, she came out for a visit to, to Seattle um, from New York City. And uh, we ended up on a ski trip together. And I asked questions and learned things. And dinner conversations were so different than the normal ones. And the humor was a little bit less mm-hmm. you know, potty humor and, and dumb <laughs> boy humor. Um, not completely, but a little bit, a little bit more refined. 
And there was just a new dynamic in the house with a young lady that wasn't their mom or my wife. Oh, I love that because that even segues into what I was going to ask you is how has having them around your home, these females, changed the tone of your family dynamics? It sounds like it has. Well, it brings out a different side of your sons. Mm -hmm. And it, I think, elevates the civility in the home a bit um, if it's an all-male family to begin with. Um, I love that. Elevate civility. We weren't we weren't Neanderthals, but I was, you know, a Christian dad who would like to like maybe open the Bible and read it at the dinner table and give some sort of spiritual uh, mentoring to my family. And some boy would make a crack, and then the guy next to him would start laughing, and pretty soon it devolved into chaos, and I really didn't accomplish much. Um, so, but uh, it, there was there was a little more sustained conversation and a little more politeness, and we asked questions of this person, and this person. Um, would explain things and tell about her life. Um, and it was interesting. It was very different life. You know, she yeah. was a designer and, and she came from Alabama and her, her, her modus operandi of life was, you know, much different than a bunch of these jock Kemp boys. Right. Um, so that was cool. And, and um, I started, I started realizing there's a whole new character of a person in this young lady Mm-hmm. And in each of them. And there's a different style of being, like a different style of being a person. Um, because they, they, A, they were a female. Um, B, they weren't calibrated in the Kemp family. And, and C, they came from a totally different family and different experience yeah. and different personality and, and different sex. Right, right. So it sounds like adding in females to your family has added another shade of color, different color, hues, you know, tempos to your family oh. rhythm, which is so cool to hear. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It improved things. Um, <laughs> and it made it made the boys kind of recall funny stories. So dinner conversations and sitting around afterwards, they'd tell stories either about each other or sometimes the things that they, they'd gone through to kind of bring the girls up to speed or just to entertain them. And, and that was, it's always fun to hear the stories and jokes and silly things and experiences of the past. And boys don't automatically speak all that much. So mm-hmm. that was cool. And then listening to these women's approach um, towards life and towards issues, um, you know, sometimes they'd kind of have a different take on something political or cultural or social um, or moral mm-hmm. um, than we did. And I thought it was, it was, you know, enlightening and, and improving in some cases. Um, so that was fun. And uh, that's really know, cool. A different, different dynamic to our family. And, uh, it made the conversations even more rich. You know, I can't even begin to tell you, even this week, Jeff, in my counseling office, stories about mothers-in-law, you know, the in-laws, as you can imagine, come into conversations of challenges for a lot of couples. But I love the fact that you're modeling to your boys, we are welcoming with open arms this person into our family. Because obviously these daughters, these young women, would feel that they're put out if that was in your heart or Stacy's heart, but you've just included them. And I hope those listening that may not maybe fully love the girl, right, that his son is bringing home, that somehow he would embrace her. I mean, do you, could you speak to the dads that have a daughter-in-law that maybe isn't who they thought they prayed for coming into the family? How do you navigate that? Uh, what, what, how you handle anything in life where reality is different to your expectations is you you don't say reality sucks. You say, you know what? Maybe my my expectations 
were not all that well formed. Maybe they were selfish. Maybe they were narrow. Maybe they were um, uninformed. And, and when we expect life to make us happy with some perfect set of circumstances, we're basically living out a formula for this disappointment. Mm-hmm. So, um, I mean, you can expect God to be good, but you can't expect all your circumstances to be good and, and people who come into your family to be exactly the way you want them to be. And remember, you're not perfect, so maybe you're meant to learn something. So the big message there is God is sovereign, meaning he is in control of everything. And in the long run, everything is going to work out, even though it's a fallen world with much evil, which Satan caused and God didn't. It's going to work out the way God wants. He's sovereign. So this daughter... This, this girl your guy is dating, at this season of life, this is what God has. So embrace it. Now, there's a time before a marriage happens where any of us are to be such a good friend to someone who's considering marriage that we really get to know the person that they're dating, mm-hmm. and we really get to know them. We find out if they have a good picture of marriage and lifelong commitment and what it'll take, and is there a commonality of faith and perspectives and goals? Are they both committed to marriage and selflessness? And uh, if it's not a right match, we owe it in love mm-hmm. to help that person know that. But you know what? It's not out of our tastes mm-hmm. that we say such things. It's out of our concern for that other person. So anyway, when you get a daughter-in-law who's a little different than you might have expected, uh, I might have a quirk or two, even though you have you know 600 quirks. Um, <laughs> Then say, you know what, God's sovereign. There's a reason she's here. Mm-hmm. And she uh, is there to bring out the best in, in my son. Um, and our family is going to gain by learning, listening, adjusting, mm-hmm. um, and maturing to accept this person. Just like in marriage, your spouse has a bunch of things that you used to think were cute, and now they bug the heck out of you. <laughs> God, well said. God, wants you, God wants you to accept that person 100%, including all those things, and say, I'm not going to work on changing them, mm-hmm. because by truly loving them for who they are, that's pulling me into the most selfless love that convinces them that they're secure. And then if they're supposed to change, they'll change because you love and accept them, mm-hmm. not because you're harping on their problems. Oh, anyway, oh that's so um, good. God, God's sovereign. God's sovereign. Accept your daughter-in-law. Mm-hmm. Accept your son-in-law. Um, and Love is the best pathway for that person adapting and adjusting to the family dynamic. Mm, Well said. If you're just joining us, I'm talking with Jeff Camp, author of Facing the Blitz, Three Strategies for Turning Trials into Triumphs, as we talk about his role as a father-in-law to four daughters-in-law. So, Jeff, let me ask you, have your daughters-in-law ever come to you seeking counsel or advice, just you and them, even separate from your sons? Um. Yes, in some moderate ways. I'm trying to remember examples, um, but not like a frequent, standout, big thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I, they, they've asked around the dinner table, they'll ask me a question um, because they really want my perspective or something. But I don't know that there's been instances where they called me up on the phone and said, hey, help me figure out your son and how, you know, how to get him to not do this. <laughs> um, or, you know, I'm, I'm changing careers. Give me some advice. But we do talk about things and I can tell that they are interested in my opinion, but a key thing is don't flood them with your opinion ahead of time. Mm. Just like with your sons. Um, my sons would much rather come to me on their initiative than me come to them on my initiative, um, which it lets them be their own men, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so 
I think some, some I, I can remember some dinner conversations where uh, Dana, one of my daughters, and I asked uh, some questions, and I think there's an openness um, in these girls to look for perspective, both from my wife and from myself. But you know what? It's not frequent. It's it's not primary. Their folks are their primary person right. um, in their life, and uh, one of the one of the girls I asked what uh, um, you know what I've done well and what I've done poorly um and that took courage to ask that she she was nice to not to point out anything that i did poorly i'm sure there's (laughs) something there but um she said two things she said um first of all um whenever you talk about in-laws you got to talk about boundaries and you and mom do that you understand boundaries and you give us space and you pretty much respect boundaries and there's been no issue with that like, you know, holidays and what they're going to do, mm-hmm. how they're going to raise their kids, uh, the, you know, what the schedule is they choose. It's their life. Um, and that's not always easy. So, um, I, you know, we may have our little conversations between us, Stacey and I, but she always reminds me, you know, don't say that to them. And let's not <laughs> give them any impression that we'd like them to, to do this trip with us or do this, you know. Um, so it doesn't mean we're perfect people. It just means we coach each other mm-hmm. and give our in-laws space and respect boundaries. And then the other cool thing is my, my uh, daughter-in-law, Lindsay Ann, said that when I was first around her, I asked her questions and I wanted to get to know her. And I, I learned about her life. And, mm-hmm. and I didn't ask her, you know, what's your favorite football team? And what, what <laughs> run do you like to ski on the mountain? You know, all the boy questions I would ask. Right, um, right. So asking questions, drawing her out, I would imagine made her feel comfortable and included in your world. So that's awesome. Yeah, it was, it, and, and a few of the girls have mentioned young ladies, um, they, they mentioned that this could be somewhat of an intimidating family to come into because yeah. there's a background of kind of dominant leadership. You know, my dad used to say, you can't be a leader. And he told my daughter, my sister's that. He told my brother mm-hmm. that. He told me that. Um, we're not shy. We speak up. We're, we're talking about issues. You know, we want to lead. It's four, four sons in the house. Uh, they're all st- pretty strong, and so it could be, you know, noisy, and there's a bunch of leaders and much bunch of opinions. So it could be intimidating for a new person um, or a young lady to come into. But asking these uh, daughters-in-law questions, which I've done mm-hmm. and my wife has done, mm-hmm. um, says you're the agenda, we're not the agenda. You're the interesting thing, not who we are. Um, we have a ton to learn about you, so go ahead and tell us. And yeah, that does, um, you know, make them feel better and it changes the family dynamic because the conversation ends up being about things that uh, come from their life, not ours. Yeah, well said. I I wrote down a quote that I was going to highlight in our interview where you, so speaking of your father, you said, my father always gave me the vision that any situation can be improved. Any problem can be overcome. Any goal can be accomplished. Any blitz can be beaten. Any trial can have deeper meaning or growth. So like you're saying, your dad set the model for speaking into your kids' lives. And it sounds like you've carried that tradition on with your kids, with your sons, your daughters-in-law. Oh, definitely with my sons. With your daughters-in-law, um, there's a time and place for that, but you don't quite do so much proactive coaching without them opening a door. Um, so I can't. I can't, I, I've modeled that kind of optimism and let's turn bad into good and let's look at both sides of this issue and mm-hmm. not just um, criticize it or bemoan it. Um, 
you know, let's look for solutions. So that, that's just a tone that I like to take in talking about issues or life or whatever. But um, recently we did a, a, some time, we spent some time with our oldest son and his wife and their little baby, the first grandchild in mm. our family. And the baby got a, a norovirus and uh, I ended up getting it too. Mm. <laughs> um, and it spread through a bunch of us. But um, it was tough. The baby had to go to the hospital for oh. some IV to make sure it didn't get dehydrated and, mm-hmm. um, you know, a little oxygen tank with those little things in, in the baby's nose. And it wasn't hyper serious, but it was serious enough to spend the night in the hospital. And yeah. it made for a tough, it made for a tough family trip being, um, taking care of a baby that's waking up at night and can't sleep and is uncomfortable and needs special care. And yeah. I just remember a couple of times, um, affirming my son and my daughter-in-law both together and individually and individually towards my daughter-in-law mm-hmm. that, uh, man, you're doing a great job. This is not hard and this probably isn't what you intended, but, uh, everything, you know, is, is a chance to, um, show, show how much you love and, and grow and, uh, you're doing a great job with him mm. and, uh, we just, we appreciate you. So little yeah. things like that, when things aren't going perfect or you see someone having to deal with a challenge, affirming them in that. Because mm-hmm. a lot of us humans, we'd rather just have our circumstances be good. Mm-hmm. And then we complain about the circumstances not being good. Or we hear someone else say, man, that sucks. You got sick on your vacation. So did your baby. Um, as opposed to, hey, I, mean, I really saw some, some good stuff under tough circumstances during this last week, you know, when you were dealing with that. Yeah. And that, that leaves a positive deposit. Exactly. Well said, because I so often am encouraging fathers, you think things, I tell them, I tell men, you think things as you see your sons or your daughters and speak it out to them. So to hear that you as a father-in-law are speaking words of affirmation into your daughters-in-law, I can't even imagine the power that that has in addition to their own dad. I'm sure they got great families. It's just interesting because these young ladies have a different way of being that came from a different family. And there's some things they have that we haven't understood or practiced that are cool. And so there's some things that we do that are cool that maybe they did, their families mm-hmm. didn't have. Yeah, but exactly. kind of got to tap into what they've, they have and, and see that that's an addition to life and be very careful not to say, hey, but our way is really great. Let me tell you how we do things <laughs> and maybe you should try this. That is going to backfire. That is crossing the boundary unless they ask for some help. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, I end every broadcast. You heard me saying at the beginning of the show that I love to have a go step, a way that dads can be challenged with one way to put their love this week into action for their daughters or daughters-in-law in in this situation. So can you think, Jeff, of one way this week that fathers-in-law can let their daughters-in-law know that they're valued and loved by them? The first idea just popped in my head is um, get their uh, phone number in your phone and text them. Awesome. And do something real brief, just say, you know, I just want to let you know how uh, cool a person you are or wonderful a person you are and how thankful that you married our son and uh, just for the life you live and the mm-hmm. person you are. Um, I'm proud of you or love you or something like that. If you have a character trait in them that's obvious to you, mm-hmm. feel free to praise it. But just affirming them that you're glad they're in the family, you're glad they married the son, you know that's the primary relationship, that marriage to your son. And just affirm them. So there's, you know, the, there's a quick one. And the the, the second one would be um, pray for your daughter-in-law. Mm-hmm. 
and, and pray that God deeply blesses her with a fabulous relationship with God and a fabulous relationship with your son-in-law and that you always carry yourself in a respectful, loving manner with mm-hmm. appropriate boundaries that lets that couple be the prime couple, not mm-hmm. grandma and grandpa be the prime couple, you know? Exactly. So I love how you're saying both of the action steps have to do with communication. One is to your daughter-in-law directly by affirming her. The other is to God about her. So, wow. Today you've been yeah, listening I'm- yeah, to Jeff Camp talking about his story as a father-in-law to four daughters-in-law almost and i would encourage you to get his book facing the blitz take his advice get out there on the field put your love for your daughter into action and remember you can always write to me at dr michelle at the dadwhisper.com let me know how you're putting these things into practice go to my website at drmichellewatson.com and find free resources where you can sign up for my dad daughter friday blogs and i just want to put resources into your hands so thank you jeff so much for joining me today it's been a joy to have you here Hey, it's been my pleasure, Michelle. And like you said, I want to encourage people they can find love and power to face life's blitzes. And um, I got stuff on that at facingtheblitz.com. So there's another resource, facingtheblitz.com. Excellent. Excellent. Well, have a great day, Jeff. Thanks so much for joining us.